Get the duck boats ready. Get the duck boats ready. We got the cup. Duck and yellow, duck and yellow. You want to talk about a team? This is a team. You guys wanted it. We got it. Let's have some fun. Cue the memories presented by Bud Light. What's up, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Cue the Memories presented by Bud Light. The celebration of the 2011 Boston Bruins rolls on 10 years later. Andrew Ference, you don't feel 10 years older, though, do you? Yeah, some days I do. I hate to say it. I'd love to give the, like, yeah, I feel great. But, you know, honestly, it doesn't feel like 10 years ago. Um, but when you actually, uh, you know, wake up in the morning and, and uh, you know, feel a little bit more of the age creeping up on you, it's, it's uh, yeah, I don't think I could do that run again, if that's what the question is. All right. Well, that's a, that's a fair answer, a fair answer. Well, we have another one of your former defense partners today, Mr. Johnny Boychuk. Fair, what can you tell us about Johnny? He's an Edmontonian. I, I actually grew up in Sherwood Park, which is just outside Edmonton, but we consider each other neighbors. We have that in common, and uh, Johnny is pretty much one of the, like, the most just happy-go-lucky guys I played with. Uh, him and Luch got along real well for obvious reasons, I think, because uh, you know they're quite similar in that way, just bring a incredibly positive vibe to the rink each day um, they have a great outlook on life uh, he he shares a love of Portuguese water dogs I believe uh, as do I um, he's got two I think though so he's he, he one ups up one ups me but we got a lot in common right uh, just that positive approach to life um, and then I guess similar to some of the other guys on the team you wouldn't know it from watching his gameplay uh some of the most punishing body checks I think I ever witnessed in my entire career. I actually felt bad for a couple of the guys. <laughs> like where, there was one in Philadelphia, and I can't remember who it was, but it, it was just so hard. Um, you know, Johnny's a strong guy. He knows how to use his body. He knew how to really make a, uh, the opponents pay a price to go into the corner and, uh, you know, was, was, was obviously a, a key a key part in a very long punishing run for any team that faced us in the playoffs. Well, I was going to say, when I think back to that era, I just love thinking back to Jack yelling, Johnny Rocket from the point. Like those, those are one of my favorite things that Jack used to say uh, during, during that era. But I mean, really off the, off the back foot slap shot. Yeah. Like unbelievable. Like un, yeah, un, un, uh, uh, unrepeated by any other hockey player in the NHL <laughs> to the same velocity. It felt like every time he, he wound up, it was in the back of the net. But I was going to say, to your point, like Johnny Rocket, but Johnny Freight Train. Like, that's what I remember. Those big, huge hits over the middle of the ice like that got the garden absolutely rocking. And they absolutely loved it every single time. And I think, again, that's what endeared him to the fans so much was that, you know, that hard, gritty type of play those big hits that's what everybody loved and that's what made uh, that team so lovable to the boston fan base i guess let's uh get talking to johnny we'll bring in johnny Boycheck right after this on cue the memories presented by bud light cue the memories brought to you by bud light score exclusive merch and more at budlightlegends.com and we're back on Cue the Memories presented by Bud Light with our special guest for this episode, Johnny Boychuk. Johnny, what's going on, man? Well, not too much. Just another nice day. And, uh, you know, downstairs in the basement talking to you guys. <laughs> Good to see you, Boych. How's everything going, bud? You're, uh, you're out in New York. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm taking care of Edmonton for you. And, and everything's, Perfect. Everything's going well up here. You're not missing much. We're, we're just, you know, going through the COVID thing. Snow. 
typical snow. John, Johnny and I would bond over many things Edmonton, and, and usually uh, all Edmontonians bond over weather. So uh, excuse the excuse what might seem to most people as kind of ridiculous talk, but this is what we do. I love it. <laughs> well, the one nice thing about talking to all you guys, and we've caught up with a few now, is everybody's keeping busy. Everybody's doing something positive, and almost everybody's still involved with hockey in, in one one way or another. So um, like we keep saying kudos to that team for – uh, in 2011 for kicking out so many people that can contribute back to the game. No doubt. Like our team team back then was just, you know, we're still tight and we were tight back then. And, you know, you still can talk to everybody on that team. And it's just like you're, you're back in the locker room just talking normal. So Russo, you're sitting up there watching Johnny back in the day. Uh, you probably had never met him as a high school kid, I'm assuming. But uh, what would have you have assumed by watching uh, his gameplay and what stood out for you? Well, I mean, like I said, those those big hits, those big slappers, like that's what got everybody going. And I just think that decor, right? We've sort of talked about it with Quater um, and Sides and Z. Like everybody was just menacing. Like that's what it looked like from from watching from afar, right? But as we've learned, they're all such great guys, right? Like nice guys great guys off the ice but when they got on the ice they turned it on and johnny what what was that sort of like was there was there a a switch for you when you got on the ice that that you became that that rough and tumble guy um i think so like you know you you try to bring it every game and it's kind of like uh i don't know trying to hot wire a car and when you get those wires to cross sometimes they (laughs) they go haywire so johnny i know exactly where you grew up now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which, which part? Which part? Of, which part of Edmonton uh, you're from? Yeah, on the north side, so it happens. <laughs> but uh, you know, you get on the ice, and you know, you could have friends on the other team, but uh, when you get on the ice, it's you. They want to win, and so do you. And it, it don't matter. You want to you you want to make sure that you punish whoever it is, and you know, afterwards you can go and be their friends. But uh, when you get on the ice, it's it's game time. I asked Luch this too. And, you know, did you know how much the fans had sort of taken to you and how much did you feed off the energy that they gave? And, and, you know, did you know that, that they were really taken to your style of play as, as you were out there? Well, I, th- I think so. It took me a little bit longer than uh, normal to get to where I, be- where I came or where I got to. Um, but, you know, once you, once you start playing and playing regularly, and doing the right things and you know punishing people and shooting the puck when when everybody in the crowd yells shoot (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you know uh it's it's fun and you know to hear them cheer it just makes it it gives you more energy that's for sure and i know fair would say the same thing when you hear the crowd roaring you know after you make a big play or big hit or a goal you know, it gives you more energy. And when you're, when you were playing at the garden, it was, it was awesome. Like you could feel everybody, even if they were booing you, you could feel that too. So <laughs> take that into account. <laughs> did you like the Johnny rocket moniker? Did, did you sort of know that Jack was saying that when, when you were letting them rip from back there? Oh yeah. Like, well, obviously my family would send me the, my video clips of, uh, you know, the goals or, you know, people would send me T-shirts of Johnny Rocket and stuff like that. So it was kind of cool. I still have those T-shirts too. <laughs> I should put it on for this interview. But uh, 
you know, it was it was all, all good times there. I think he, he ate at the Johnny Rockets in San Jose too every time. Right? No, just at the air, just at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> good good old hot dog yeah. with the works on it with a milkshake. So I know you mentioned uh, a bit there, you, you know, your journey to to the NHL. Um, you know, we grew up like I said close to each other. Uh, Johnny actually really reminds me of a lot of my cousins uh, who are all are all like these Ukrainian. Well, like. Eastern European, but a lot of Ukrainian roots. Uh, they're all farmers uh, around Alberta, and they're kind of all these same way, like big, happy-go-lucky, but like don't mm-hmm. mess with them. No. <laughs> like don't don't <laughs> mess with these guys. Like super strong, uh, very principled, very loyal. Um, and so I guess John, I, Johnny's always like come across to me as like one of those like second cousins that I got <laughs> that, that's in Alberta, and it's just like super honest. And uh, but to that point, Johnny, like I mean, there's no shortage of kids with the same dream that you had or that I had here and uh, lots of kids playing hockey lots of lots of guys just like you you know coming from coming from Edmonton like what was your journey like and what you know why do you think you made it and you know where whereas like thousands of others didn't you know like when I first came in like I played in the minors for a couple years you know I played as as a d-man my first two years played forward my next two years and then I didn't like forward because I was in, in the minors fourth line all I would do is just dump and hit people and fight and you know uh and i knew that i was a better defenseman as well so you know i got traded to boston i asked if i was going to play defense and you know uh i actually talked to don sweeney at the time he was he was the one that phoned me and he said yes so i was you know super happy so i went down to providence had an extremely good year and uh the next year i was on a one-way contract with uh, Boston and you know the first half of the year I didn't get to play too much because you know we had a lot of good defensemen as well and you know I think I went down to the minors for a conditioning stint and we were playing I think it was Portland but not in Portland I forget where it was and uh, we were driving back home and it was in the middle of the second period uh, when you were playing Montreal and I forget who was wasn't playing very good and they told me I was getting called up again and uh you know, that I was playing next game and it was in between the second period, like there's still the whole game going on, but you know, next game we played uh, uh, Toronto and I scored my first goal. So, you know, uh, I stuck in the lineup ever since then. So it was just like, uh, you know, it wasn't an easy journey, but uh, you know, mentally it wasn't really easy when you're going forward defense for defense, even when you're in, in one game where your team's up by a goal or two and you're playing, def- you, you get transitioned from a forward to playing defense because now you're the shutdown defenseman for your team. It was kind of like weird. So, um, you know, I just kept trying, trying my best and staying positive and uh, trying to work as hard as I can and just listening to everybody around me that um, was part of that team too. You know, there was a lot of older veteran guys and, you know, we had extremely good coaches as well. So, you know, you just kind of try to be a sponge when you're not playing and you learn a lot from the people around you and, you know, they, I did and I stuck with it and, you know, eventually turned out to be a pretty successful career. I know that uh, if, if people follow uh, or, or they're on Twitter and they follow you at all, they'll know that you have a pretty supportive family. <laughs> uh, I know that you're, yeah. your, bro- your brother's probably your biggest fan in the world, right? And yeah. You, to me, like you had, a, like you said, you had a great career, even when we were having all that success, even when fans would be, you know, chanting Johnny Rocket or whatever it is, like you were just always super humble and down to earth and like you're never that like, big shot you know which I always I really liked I love playing with guys like that but 
Is that just from your upbringing? Like you, you knew somebody would have smoked you across the side of the head at, when you went home in the summer if you uh, got a big head? I think so. You know, you just, you never forget where you came from and you can't take anything for granted, but you can't, you know, get your, make sure your head's too big as well. And, you know, that's never going to be the case. And- Do you remember what it felt like? When you first like when you like first made the NHL, like- yeah, I got. To, I think my first. Well, when I first got to play, my first two games were as a forward, so um, that was probably about four minutes per night, and I was minus one, so I remember that. But then I got to play defense, and I probably played two minutes a night, so I remember that as well. <laughs> but once I got to Boston, uh, you know, I got to play a lot more, and you know, the first two or three games, you know, it was just I was just living in the moment just trying to not deviate from what got me there and you know you, you always see guys that get called up or you know they get their first games they're going to play really good but you know to keep that that intensity level that uh that standard that you first brought into your first couple of games to keep that consistent is probably one of the hardest parts for guys to realize and you know once I did that then I was just a regular and you know you don't want to deviate from your your standard and you just have to elevate your game and you know when playoff comes then that's when you really elevate your game and it's it's always fun I still remember when I actually like made the NHL and I would wake up each morning and I I, I lived I rented an apartment 500 bucks a month above a state farm uh, insurance office. And there was literally like train tracks, like 10 feet off my, my back door. But I was in this crappy little apartment, but I would wake up each morning and just disbelief. I'd be like, oh my God, like I'm in the NHL. <laughs> and then I'd go to the rink and try to play it cool. But, uh, you know, it, it really is like, you know, <laughs> kid, you know, kids from Alberta, It's uh, it really is a dream come true. So you were thrown into a, a, a massive role, like, really quick and playing big minutes and, and-, yeah, and you got to play with z who's you know z's just like the like humongous person and if you don't like when he talks you listen and if you don't do it he will make sure that you you know that you didn't listen so you know he's he was he was a good partner to have as well you know just with everybody in that locker room you know if somebody did something wrong or they could see something happening they would tell you and you know, I'm very thankful for that as well, because, you know, it made me the player that I, that I did become. And, you know, I never take anything for granted, but, you know, just to get thrown in my first, I think within my first five games, I'm playing with Z and I'm like, like, what the heck's going on? Like, usually when you, you first get like your first couple games, you're playing, you're, you're playing maybe, you know, against the third, fourth line, then I get thrown in and I'm with Z playing against the, you know, top, top couple lines. And I'm like, well, I better bring it or else I'm not going to be back. <laughs> yeah, seriously, yeah, People ask me sometimes like who my favorite or favorite coach was. And so I say, oh, it was a difference. Like I say, my best coach, if I'm honest, is probably Alexi Kovalev, who was a forward that I played with in Pittsburgh. But he yeah. taught me so much about playing defense and taught me so much about how to play defense in the NHL against really good players. And really looking back on my whole career, he was the best coach I ever had. Um, and I know for you, like you said, Z, Z is very vocal. He, he's a, he is a coach in his own right, but is there anybody else that stands out or is it, is it, is he really kind of head and shoulders above in many, in many ways, uh, mm-hmm. others? He was definitely, you know, while even playing with you, I got to learn a lot as well. So, you know, we had a, a core of defensemen that were, you know, s- somewhat coaches in a sense, but because you guys were a little bit older than me and, you know, played in the league a lot longer. And, you know, I, I like to, 
take everything in and listen. So, you know, there are a lot of players, but when I got traded to, to the Islanders, I was the oldest defenseman on the team. So I got thrown into that role as well, which I actually enjoyed and, you know, cherished. So, I mean, I've been lucky to have really good coaches throughout my career and I got to learn a lot from everybody. I wanted to ask, did you guys know each other uh, from back home before you guys were on the Bruins together? A couple of times at uh, Perry Perrins. Uh, Perry Perrins, I was going to say, every, every, every single Northern Albertan uh, knows Perry Perrins three-on-three uh, hockey, which is... Uh, yeah, it runs for a few weeks before training camp starts for, for NHL guys or junior guys. And literally, I think every NHL that's ever come from here has gone through Perry Perns three-on-three yeah. three hockey. And so it's this version of the game where, you know, you go and you you know you have a little warm-up and this and that, but they make teams and you play three-on-three three from the blue line in. And so you're on offense, and so you're obviously trying to score – and then the, the team on defense has to carry the puck out like under control across the blue line. And then it transitions mm-hmm. Then you go from offense to defense and then, you know, it's just continuous. Right. So it's like an incredible way to get fit, um, to have to think quick. And you're literally playing against like the best guys, right? Like from all around Alberta. And it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a tremendous program that's run for many, many years, but yeah, Johnny and I cross paths there, but yeah, I was a few years older, so we never really crossed paths in like minor hockey and stuff. That was just Perry Prince, and yeah, the, I think everybody from Edmonton, like you're saying, goes goes to that camp because it's like essentially a camp before your camp, so it gets you straight into shape. And you know, if you're not in shape, then it helps out by going to that every day. And you know, you could play that three on three, and then there's the five on five after, and then it's the optional bag skate at the mm-hmm. end. So, you know, not too many guys stay out for that anymore, but <laughs> no, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the only place that we would have known each other. Though. You guys were talking about the decor. Um, you know, it's, it's the same six guys pretty much that entire run. I think Shane Knighty may have played a game or two, but how important was the fact that that group of six was together and, you know, didn't, didn't get injured, wasn't out, how important was that consistency through that run to have that same group of six all the way through? I think it's luck, to be honest with you, because we, when we play, we we played hard, and we went seven games, you know, three out of four. And for you to stay healthy, everybody stay healthy, you know, on it. Well, for the most part, on the team, except for a few exceptions. But as a decor, when you're blocking shots, you're hitting, you're getting ran. Like for you to stay healthy in playoffs, when it, during those series, very lucky. <laughs> yeah, I really was just fortunate. And I think that even before that, though, too, I think there was a bit of a um, like concerted effort to make sure that even if it was just briefly, that we all kind of played with each other during the regular season so that if there was an injury or if there was an adjustment that you at least had some history, you know, with, with other guys. And so you could kind of move up, move up, move down, depending on injuries or penalties or you know, guys getting kicked out of games or whatever it is, right? But you're never a complete stranger, you know, to to, to some of the other guys on D. Yeah, definitely. Because, like, even with me and you, like, I'd be playing with Zidano for the first, you know, couple games or for, for a month, and then we'd play together, like, for two games. And then, you know, in playoffs, we probably found out, like, what, like, maybe a couple days before the first game that it would be sides and Z and me and you. So, you know, it was totally comfortable and – you know, obviously worked. 
right? I'd say so. So, <laughs> no, no complaints by there either. You know, I got to play with Fair and we played extremely well together. And, you know, so did Z and uh, Sides and Quater and Kaba. So you played some forward, obviously, uh, which, which helped you with your goal scoring ability from the blue line. But you really had some memorable goals, you know, jumping mm-hmm. into playoffs now. I mean, some, yeah. you know, obviously every series was huge. Uh, you know, guys had their individual moments, but you scored some big goals. Like just, watch, you know, rewatching some of the games and, and some of the, the craziness of the garden and whatnot. Uh, do you have one that st- stood out for you? That uh, one against, because remember the year before we lost four in a row, which, you know, everybody. We're not, we're not here to talk about that on this podcast, Johnny. <laughs> No, but okay. <laughs> just, just get to okay. it already. Get when to the good we were, part. When we were when we were game four, I scored. I think I scored the uh, game winner on that. Uh, I think it was off the face off, um, left face off. Uh, I forget who won it back, and I just shot it and went in, and that was eventually the game winner. And looking back from the year before, you're thinking about it, but when you are up three nothing and actually close it off and you have the game winner it, you kind of remember that so i think it was i I, re- I remember skating across the blue line to hug you on some of your goals and i have a baba up here and, and my baba gives like boa constrictor hugs and so you 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 prep yourself like when you're a kid and you <laughs> you know you kind of take a breath in before you get a hug from baba and so i learned i learned young in, in my childhood to do that and and it came in handy when i came to celebrate with you because celebrating with uh, after a johnny rocket goal when uh, the adrenaline's going and, and johnny gives you a hug it's a bear hug i wanted to zero in on that goal a little bit more johnny i mean you mentioned obviously what had happened the year before i know fair you don't want to talk about it but the, there were some similarities like you guys are up 3-0 Bergy gets hit and he's out similar to to crutch the year before in in that game four right he goes out he's injured but right after that you come and you get that goal was there sort of a relief like okay this is not going to happen the same way this time around when that goal went in we learned from our mistakes the year before when you when you have an opportunity to close somebody out you can't just you know play at the edge of your stick you have to go out there and just do the same thing that got you there and we did and you know which eventually won the cup so we learned from our mistakes. Yeah, that really was a mantra too, and something that we talked about. You know, I know in the dressing room and and, and amongst it, and it, and it's it really boils down to you have to be more excited to win than you are scared to lose, right? And it's not like one or the other because you're always a little bit scared to lose. Like that's just human nature, right? But the excitement of winning has to overpower that kind of fear that you have of of screwing up or losing or you know making a bad pass or whatever it is, right? Like. You're going to have that. That's going to exist. Yeah, 100%. Like, you can't, like, you can't even think about being scared to, to lose. You just have to be excited to win and put that losing mentality, uh, take that out of your brain. So I don't know if this is going backwards on, in our timeline, which is, which is always, you know, so dialed in on this podcast. <laughs> but uh, we actually had a pretty fun moment. Uh, we actually talked about it with Luchabit, how, how in the dressing room we would laugh about line brawls and stuff like that. And kind of like we had a group group full of hooligans that you know it was kind of fun <laughs> some of our best memories were for, for, from some of our craziest games um but we had a crazy game yeah. against montreal um <laughs> where yeah. we won eight six it was a whole <laughs> bunch of goals and talk about feeling sorry for an opposing player before that happened uh he he grabbed me and i said don't grab me unless you want me to beat you up <laughs> in those nice words and then he let me go 
And then he grabbed me again. So it was like, you know, I was talking about the wires crossing. Those are like, that's the engine started. So, you know, and everybody's fighting. So it's just time to go. Maybe, he, I don't know, maybe his English wasn't very good. He should have, he should have. There, no, there was no mercy at that oh, point fuck. of the rivalry, was there? You know yourself after you scored that one goal. There's no, no mercy to there the was, There was no shortage of emotion in our in our few years of, of, uh, of relationships with Montreal yeah. and the fans. So in Montreal, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, in those playoff series, and my years get mixed together, but... I mean, we had our bus like almost, it feels like almost tipped over, stuff thrown at it, like fans yeah. throwing stuff at us. You know, the walk to the yeah. rink was like a, an adventure in itself, especially if you're with Z, who stands out like a sore thumb. But but uh, I don't know if you remember the, the semi-trucks parked outside of our, our hotel and just like them like laying on the horns at uh, in the middle of the night. I usually, I usually slept with earplugs. Oh, smart. In, so you're ahead of your I time. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah you know i still i do remember like when they were rocking the bus though it's kind of weird i don't know uncalled for <laughs> but the rivalry was so hot at that time um that eight six game obviously there was the patcheretti z stuff there was a lot of stuff that went on that year but that game the eight six on home ice did that sort of spur you guys on what was the chatter in the dressing room after that game or even during that game and and how much did it propel you and prepare you for that playoff series i think we're just having fun i mean when you win when you win like by that margin and you know you have a couple fights and with everything going on with all the drama and you just put that to rest and you know we we got to play him in the what the first round and you know it was pretty close pretty close series so and it just seemed like we always played them in the playoffs for some reason. I don't know why, but it's always, it's always a fun team to play against, especially, you know, uh, original six, there's rivalry. There always has been, and it was just fun. I don't know if you ever had like a, a big bonfire, well, you know, like with, with a group of like high school friends, like out somewhere safe where it's safe mm-hmm. to have a fire. But at a certain point you build the fire way too big and you know, you could either have a group of friends that says like, okay, like we should probably let this fire die down a bit. Or you could have a group of like idiots that just throw, throw extra things on the fire. We were kind of that group of idiots mm-hmm. that, you know, we, we would have these raging fires, <laughs> you know, and the, the crowd would be going crazy and like there'd be all this like nuts, nutso stuff going on. And we had a group of guys that would, you know, throw another log on yeah luch would just throw a picnic table on there (laughs) (laughs) all right and you want to get to the uh the stanley cup final here well i guess we might as well considering the the whole podcast is supposed to be about winning the cup um so, so we get to the the stanley cup final against the vancouver canucks close to home um you don't have any canuck fans in your in your family do you i have a lot of oiler fans that that literally would cheer against me when i was playing in the nhl like until I played for the Oilers, but oh, um, all right. So, yeah. so you have no no hometown uh, friction. I had like one. I had one uncle that was a Canuck fan, but he said he wasn't he wasn't cheering for him. Oh, perfect. All right, good. Yeah. So we get smart. <laughs> so we get to the finals. <laughs> like, what are your? Are you sleeping at all at night? You know, before game one, we're in Vancouver. I was pretty decent uh, at sleeping, uh, except for maybe when the, the games. Uh, the, the night before game seven, it was kind of, it's kind of a big deal. So I was kind of, you know, didn't sleep very well that night and it was an afternoon game. So <laughs> there's obviously, you know, enough craziness in that series. Um, 
you know, we're trying to, you know, eat up as much ice time as possible so that, you know, Z and sides aren't, you know, playing 48 minutes a night. Um, but I know like we really kind of, you know, really relish that role of being super dependable, you know, penalty killing, yeah. you know, going up against, you know, top lines. It didn't matter if they threw the Sedins out, like we were there and kind of up to the challenge. So like, I know like that's actually one of my favorite memories other than like the goals and actually winning the thing was just that, that feeling of coming back to the bench and that sense of pride, you know, or like being, you know, in between periods and like looking over at you and we're like, all right, like we did our job. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know, it wasn't just us. I think everybody had kind of had that feeling of, of just a pride and playing their role and doing their job. And that, that was, I don't know, to me, like, just to tell you, that was a really special like memory for me is, <laughs> is just like looking over and feeling that, that partner pride. Well, yeah. When like you, you know, you know how it was like when, uh, hoods would come in and be like, Hey, we want Z up against this guy or this guy. But you know, if, if it doesn't happen, if it doesn't work out that way, fair, you and Johnny can go against this line, this line and this line. And, you know, just make sure to do your job. And, you know, you get out against the Sedins and they're like pretty sick players, obviously. And, you know, when you shut them down and you come back to the bench and they don't get a chance, you did your job and you felt pride in it when, in between periods, in between shifts, all the time when, when you can shut teams down and, you know, not give up a goal or even score a goal, you know, you did your job and, you know, you could be super proud of that. How much did you, uh, we talked to Luch about this as well, but how much did you feed off of the way they sort of poked you guys early in that series, um, you know, and tried to get under your skin? Did you, did you thrive off that? Did that help get you going the rest of the way? I mean, when you do stuff like that to our team, I think we just cherish it and just, it gives us fire. So that was a kind of a, I don't know, a dumb thing to do by them. Cause if you poke the bear, it's not never a good thing. So <laughs> they did. And, you know, we, we did a good job by just, you know, playing tough, rough, not getting into the penalty box too much and, you know, taking care of business and, you know, doing it professionally as well, not being, you know, arrogant people. And that's what I think I, I enjoyed the most is just the way that we conducted ourselves on, off the ice. You know, you couldn't be more proud of a, a group of guys. What was your favorite game? Game seven. <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about that. I mean, it's tough to sleep the night before game seven. I know most guys went for a walk, you know, down by the water, try to calm their nerves a bit. Yeah, uh, I think Kells was choking down some chicken at like mm-hmm. eight in the morning. Probably, uh, what's your memories? I know, yeah, like going for a nice walk was was, was obviously a highlight for, for us. We went for a walk before the game. And I think a uh, reporter named Mike, he was, he was out there and doing his predictions. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, why don't you tell that story? It was pretty funny. And like we're, it was, I think it was like me, you, Bergie, and Z. Was there anybody else? Yeah, I think it was us, yeah. Uh, just us four. And we went for a walk just to get out of the hotel. And we passed by where he eventually came out when we were, when we were coming back, we, he was doing his predictions on the, the phone and he was like, yeah, I predict the van. And then he looks over and sees Z. He goes to Boston <laughs> Van Bruins. <laughs> Something like that. Something to that effect. And it was one of the, cause I see him sometimes. Well, I used to see him sometimes at the rink and, you know, we always joke about that when I see him. Cause he's like, remember that? I go, absolutely. Cause you know, it was one of those things where he's probably going to predict Vancouver, but he's seen Z and 
think Z just stared at him and he <laughs> switched his choice right away. And he got, he was the only one to get it right, I think. But uh, I mean, just, you know, winning that last game and celebrating on the ice with our families, with each other, going into the locker room, um, drinking beer together out of the cup. I mean, spraying everybody that dressed up so nice and you're just spraying it everywhere. So just memories that you do have from that, that you were able to, you know, share with your family and your teammates and friends, you know, you, nobody can ever take that away and you'll remember it forever. Yeah, did you have some family at the game? Yeah, I had, uh, well, my wife, I had my two brothers and my mom and dad. Oh, awesome. So when they came out of the Zamboni door, were you just yeah. like jacked and like sprinted over to see him or what, what was that like? I was, I was, I think I was, if I remember correctly, I was still celebrating with their team. So like when they brought the family on, I was, we, I think there's a bunch of us that were just celebrating uh, winning. And then, then there's people started to dissipate and I was looked around and I seen all the family. So we got to go over and, you know, you know, give them a hug and, oh, I'm so proud of you. You know, get get those moments with your mom and dad and with the wife and my brothers, you know, to share that experience with them. I mean, they'll never forget it. And I know I won't. Did you bring the cup back to Edmonton? Yeah, I picked it up from the airport. We went for lunch on the way home from the airport. We took it to uh, CHOP. You know, the one on uh, Ellerslie. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. We're getting, well, this is a very local podcast. The Edmonton ratings will be good on <laughs> this episode. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then I took it to the, from there, I took it to the children's hospital, um, the Stollery. Um, spent a couple hours with it there with the, uh, the kids and their family. And then I took it to my townhouse for maybe an hour and then, from there, we went to my mom and dad's to take more pictures with it. And then we took it from there, we took it to Fort Edmonton Park. And we had everybody and anybody that wanted to come and take a picture with it or with me. And, you know, they could donate whatever they wanted to. And all the donations went to the, the children's dollar. And then from there, we went to Cook County Saloon. You do a little line dancing? Yeah, took it to the country bar and... Uh, you know, just put it up on the pool table in the back and whoever wants to take a picture with it, <laughs> sure, but don't touch it. All right. So on a scale of one to 10, like 10 is like a world-class line dancer. Where, where are you at? Not like a seven. Yeah. I was going to say, like, you, you have to sell take, yourself short. Yeah. You have to take it in school growing up. So like, you're not like, uh, you know how to do it, but you don't really want to know how to do it, but then you do and you think you're really good at it when you do it. So I mean, yeah, what's your go-to? Like, if it comes on at a wedding, like, what's Cadillac your Cadillac Ranch? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or the electric slide. That's yours, right? No, no, Cadillac Ranch <laughs> mine, too. You had to, like, pass those in school or else you failed. Like, you'd, you'd, you'd get left behind a grade if you if you didn't pass line dancing. Yeah, but you, you failed for that if you didn't know how to line dance. <laughs> oh, Alberta. <laughs> we've, we've interviewed a few guys already, and... Our, our massive bill from Foxwoods yeah. had a had a ton of Bud Lights on it. Most of the guys say that you're responsible. I actually might have one here. One of the, from the Stanley Cup, uh, from the dressing room. Oh, I still got those. Oh, yeah. I, I pilfered stuff from the dressing room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So did my brother until, uh, who was it? He took a hat 
And I think Rex's kid came up to him and is like, hey, mister, that's my hat. And my brother's like, <laughs> 40 years old, and he's stealing a hat from Mark Rex's son, who's, I, I think at the time, he's maybe seven, I think, maybe. Oh. Sure, but like, he felt like such a loser. Like, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> All right, we'll wrap with a couple more uh, rapid fires here. Fair, what do you think? What's the uh, what's the best cannoli spot in the in the North End? Mike's. I like Bova's a lot too. There's modern, modern, modern pastry is the other one that's on Hanover. Sure. Yeah, my my post game walk took me by Bova's, and I was sucked into you know grabbing uh, grabbing a sweet there after a game. I think Ooh. you guys did more for the North End than anybody in <laughs> history of Boston. The 2011 bees. It was our that was our home, part of our identity for sure. Most underrated uh, moment from the run. Lake Placid, yeah. I remember going there and just getting away for a little bit. It was that was kind of nice because you know we had a kind of a, a bigger layover than usual, and we didn't want to stay in Montreal, so we went went there and just relaxed and got away from all the media and all the you know the attention that you would get if you were in Montreal, especially for some some other guys that were more famous than me and you. You know what I think one of the underrated moments from that season was? And actually not even just that season, but Prague? multiple seasons. Well, Prague was Prague was like fireworks worthy. I mean, underrated. I don't think that's underrated. I think that's, uh, <laughs> that's accurate, accurately rated. Um, yeah. But you remember our uh, team building stuff in like Vermont and doing like ropes yeah. courses and all that kind yeah, of stuff? Yeah, that was cool. That was fun. That's actually. actually pretty underrated because that's something that we all kind of pretended to be like, you know, put off by, but we all secretly. It was like, actually fun. Or the silent auction after we did the ropes course. I yeah. still actually have that watch that Soupy gave me, uh, the Casio calculator watch, and I still wear it to this day. Hey, nice man. So, yeah, yeah. So like a whole team of us all like in the woods doing these like ropes courses and like figuring out these challenges and um, yeah, it was just like good and fun. Or Belfast. Belfast was fun too. When we went there, I didn't get to play any of the exhibition games. So all I did was go around, uh, me and Brian McGratton and uh, uh, Schaefer and uh, Bartowski. I think we all went and looked at all these castles. Like almost every day we got to do something and, you know, be the tourists because we weren't playing. So it was kind of fun that nobody really knew about that we got to do. You obviously had a couple of of big goals yourself, but what's your favorite goal from that run? The game-winning goal against Philly, for sure, 100%. That's the one. The one that sort of gave you a little bit of relief. It wasn't going to happen again, right? That was that was a big one and, you know, big time, a big-time goal. So, you know, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. And, you know, I've, I see it every now and then. Uh, you know, my brother will obviously send it to me once in a while just as a reminder. So it's, it's, it's uh, something I'll always remember. I'll remember that too. Well, thanks for joining us, buddy. Okay, we'll talk to you later, man. Thanks, Johnny. We'll be back to wrap up this episode of Cue the Memories presented by Bud Light right after this. The Pro Shop, powered by 47 at the Hub on Causeway, is Bruins fans' one-stop shop to gear up for hockey season. Find the largest selection of authentic jerseys in the city, the latest in Bruins headwear from brands like 47, and even more exclusive black and gold merchandise. Visit the Pro Shop during your next visit to TD Garden or shop online anytime at bostonproshop.com. And we're back to wrap up another episode of Cue the Memories. Uh, Fair, I forgot that Johnny was a Ford originally. That had totally escaped me. What what a what a rise to, to prominence he had from where he started, huh? He's got a better story to tell than he actually told. I was trying like, try to pry it out of him, but he's... 
he is. He's humble. You know, just kind of wants to shrug off, like, you know, personal kind of success. Kind of, you know, he's just that kind of guy that's not going to, like, tell you about, like, just how difficult it was. It was difficult. Trust me. Like, it's hard. It's so hard to just, like, make it to junior hockey, you know, out of, out of a place like Alberta. Like, there's so many kids, you know, trying to make it. And then to make that jump to the NHL or, or like, into the minor leagues and to be tossed between Ford and D and, you know, kind of, you know, slotted in and out of the lineup. That was like one of those things about that team, though, too. Like there's there's a handful of Hall of Famers that were at the top, but even still, like so many guys had such amazing journeys and had to work so hard to get there. That I feel, you know, there were no superstar guys that were, you know, MVP caliber types that season. Don't you think that's that's sort of why you guys succeeded? Because you had, you know, all the the similar type type stories that the way you all ended up in the same place. I honestly don't know, like who was a first rounder or who wasn't like that's a thing is like some of those guys i'm like uh it was pevs that was undrafted right like talking to him like i didn't know he was undrafted um i couldn't tell you if if bergy or marshy were first rounders like i just don't know like they didn't act like it so <laughs> you know like i actually don't know the background of a lot of the guys of, of like where they were drafted you know their route to the nhl that's what i'm fascinated about because um, yeah, like I said, if they if, if they were kind of, you know, the silver spoon kids that we sometimes see, you know, that, that get, uh, you know, they're the big prospect and they get all the attention and the first rounders and they get, you know, a thousand chances to make a thousand mistakes and they'll still make the NHL. You know, sometimes you can pick those guys out from a mile away. You know, that's, yeah, kudos to that, that team. So even if they did have a bit of an easier journey, they didn't act like it. It all came together perfectly. It all fit together just right. And that's why we're celebrating you 10 years later. So that's another one in the books, Farrah. Thanks. 